Cobb, and welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast, episode 82, Emergency Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, to Puma, and we are coming to you to discuss the latest breaking news in the NFL, because the NFL does not have an offseason. Uh, there's always news around the clock, around the, the calendar year. And the latest bit of news is Carson Wentz has been traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, looks like in return, the Indianapolis Colts are going to be sending a 2021 second rounder, and I believe a 2022, well, it's 2022 second rounder, third rounder this year, right? Yep, so it's a, a third rounder this year and a 2022 conditional second round pick where if Carson Wentz plays... 75% of the games or play 70% and the Colts make the playoffs, that second round pick could become a first round pick. Okay. So essentially a third and a second right now, but it yep. could eventually become a third and a first, right? Yep. Exactly. And, and when I first saw those terms, my first immediate thought process was like, wow, the Philadelphia Eagles got hosed. <laughs> <laughs> the Indianapolis Colts made out like magnets here. Even if it is a third and a first for a, a really good performing quarterback, that's fine. But the way it's just a third and a second, I, I think the Colts, you know, essentially made out like bandits here. What's your thoughts on that? I think so too. And I mean, I've been saying it, you know, the last couple of weeks, like all the Colts have to do is play it cool. Like they don't mm -hmm. have to rush to overpay. They are in the driver's seat and Albert Breer confirmed as much later on this afternoon after the trade went down when he reported uh, for Sports Illustrated that the, the Bears were never even really in contention mm -hmm. for getting Carson Wentz. They just did their due diligence, but really the leader in the clubhouse the entire time was the Indianapolis Colts. And I think the Colts made out like bandits as well, too. They, they, they don't have to pay the majority of his contract because a lot of it was in, in the signing bonus when the, the you know, pen was put to paper last year between Wentz and the Eagles. The Eagles have the highest dead cap hit history, mm -hmm. uh, dead cap hit for a single player in NFL history at this point. And what was it, like $33.5 million just to Thir get him off their books? The Eagles will carry a $33.8 million dead cap charge for Carson Wentz in 2021, which is essentially, like you said, the largest dead cap charge in NFL history. The previous record would have been the 20, 20, uh, $22 million the Rams will give uh, this year for Jared Goff. Yep. And uh, I think, you know, I think this is kind of the, you know, the, the spot where if Carson Wentz can't resurrect his career with Frank Reich, then at, at this point, you know, it might as well be a wrap. Like he kind of had a bad rap going out of Philadelphia. There was an article by the Philadelphia Inquirer about how he wasn't coachable. There was some locker room issues. He wouldn't take any accountability for things. He may or may not have checked out a place just despite, you know, Doug Peterson at the time. Um, but, you know, I, I think the Colts, Colts win. Uh, they, you know, they, they part ways with a third rounder, a second round pick. And given Carson Wentz's injury history, it's not really a guarantee that he could play 70% of mm -hmm. the game. So mm -hmm. it could just be a second round pick uh, that they get, to, that they have to send over next year as well, too. So I, yeah. I like what the Colts did here. Yeah, it seems like the Colts were really the only driving factors uh, in this trade, right? I mean, I do believe that the Bears were thrown out there as a ploy uh, by the Eagles just to kind of ramp up demand for, for Carson Wentz. That really wasn't there. Um, on top of that, we all laughed when the Eagles said they wanted some sort of Matthew Stafford-esque package, right? <laughs> oh my so, God. I mean, so, 
so and it, and it goes to show you the Colts stood fast in their beliefs. Um, they didn't overpay. They didn't overreact. Uh, Chris Ballard, I think, is one of the best GMs in the NFL right now. And he held his cool. He called their bluff and he waited it out because there was this groundswell around the Super Bowl weekend. It's going to happen any minute. It's going to happen any minute. And some reports came out a couple of days later when it didn't happen. Everybody kind of stepped back for a second, cooled their heads, and decided to take a fresh look at the negotiations. Yep. And I mean, Jay, like you were, you were pretty much right on the timeline. We were just off by a few days. Mm-hmm. Like we knew it was going to be going down somewhere around this week. We just thought it was going to be right before we recorded our episode on Tuesday. Um, but I mean, no, it, this, this just seemed the writing was on the wall and we said it last week and, and on la- in this week's episode as well too, that the Eagles boxed themselves into a corner mm-hmm. where they had to make this deal. There was just so much nonsense out there in the beginning uh, leading up to Super Bowl week where they're like, well, we, we're not going to trade Carson Wentz, but we're not going to, like, not pick up the phone yep. if somebody's making overtures for him. And at that point, like, the, the, the fox is guarding the hen house. It's just a matter of time. And I think for, for all parties involved, especially for Carson Wentz, like, this is probably the best-case scenario for him. And the, the Eagles, uh, Jeffrey Lurie and company, they are no different than Jimmy Haslam, in my mm-hmm. opinion. They, they just signed Wentz to this massive albatross of a contract. They have a bunch of old aging players that are, you know, going to be salary cap, you know, casualties as well, too. Like, they're not really going to have a whole lot of money to make any moves in free agency. And news came out today that the salary cap is not as low as everyone thought it was going to be. It's only going to be $180 million, but it's not like the sky is falling scenario where it could have been $160, $150 worst-case scenario. Well, I mean, they're, they're really in a bind. Was that 180? Wasn't that just like the uh, essentially the lowest it would be? Because they're just trying to figure out with their final right. numbers throughout the season. It could be higher, right? So apparently the NFL right now is going through a process where it's auditing all its books. It's doing the final tabulations on the incomes coming in throughout the year. And then if that number is favorable at the uh, throughout all the calculations, that 180 could be higher. Right. I, I think, honestly, just because really only a handful of stadiums were able to have any semblance of fans, mm-hmm. I think it's probably going to be closer to, like, the 180 side of things. But it's still – it's not the sky is falling scenario that everybody was making it out to be, yep. you know, going up towards the end of the season where, I mean, the, the Saints – they're kind of doing a little bit of a victory dance because their their cap isn't as bad now. Well, I mean, they're still like seventy million over the cap, oh, but yeah. it, it could be it's going to be a lot less compared to what the sky is falling scenario would have been. But I but I think your bigger point uh, is is true here. I mean, you brought it up. I think we can officially put the Philadelphia Eagles into like a clown franchise, right? We always thought the Jaguars, the Browns, the you know the most of the bad franchises like the Texans. We never really put the Eagles into that category. But I think once you start looking at some of the decisions that uh, Jeffrey Lurie has made, especially with the Carson Wentz thing. I mean, think about it. Philadelphia traded up twice in 2016 for him, right? Then yep. gave him a massive contract track which we all thought the point was like is that really a good decision right uh, and now they're trading him away for for what seems like a very favorable deal for the Colts on top of that I mean you know Laurie ended up sending away Andy Reid who at one point dominated the NFC sure he didn't win the Super Bowl but he went to five straight NFC championship games he Andy Reid is now dominating the AFC right went to three three straight Super Bowls uh, on top of that I mean he he sent away Chip Kelly who I understand had his issues but still had a winning record and then finally you, you let go of Doug Peterson who just won your Super Bowl two years ago with a backup quarterback so we got to start looking at Laurie himself 
itself and the Eagles organization as one of those franchises that can be put into the clown category. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, it might have been a little bit of, you know, what's it called? Buyer's remorse. But in this case, like when they let Frank Reich walk, I, I think you could make a very fair argument that they let the wrong guy go. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I think Frank Reich, I've been saying it for months and I, you know, going to kind of piss off Burge here. You know, hanging out in his basement. I'm sorry, no, Burge. Well, I'm going to take a little bit of a victory lap. No, you should. Like, we Frank should. We should applaud you, Puma, because you were the first one to bring this up on our podcast months ago. We're talking like six to eight months ago, and at that point, I didn't see it, and I, I know short as how Burge knows he didn't see it um, because he clowns you all the time about it. But I mean, you were right in this regard. So let's give you a victory lap on that. Yeah, a little pat on the back. I'll be the Pete Prisco of the podcast. But, like, in all seriousness, you know, the writing was on the wall. Like, they let the wrong guy go with Frank Reich, and I think they were kind of kicking themselves in the ass ever since then. Like, they did have that one playoff run where Wentz got hurt again, and, and Nick Foles kind of came in. Their one Alshon Jeffrey drop away from actually making it to the, you know, the next round of the playoffs. It maybe could have surprised a little bit of, uh, of the population and maybe make a deeper run at it. But, no, they let the wrong guy go. If anybody's going to resurrect Carson Wentz's career, it's going to be Frank Reich. And he's got, you know, they have a hell of an offensive line, a better offensive line than what the Eagles have, even with Costanzo retiring at the center position. Uh, the skill position players, you have, you know, Michael Pittman Jr., who's going to be a rising star in the league. You know, I don't think T.Y. Hilton's going to be coming back, but Zach Ertz might be available in trade, and the Colts were already listed as a potential buyer for Zach Ertz as well, too. Like, if you could get Wentz in his safety blanket, Zach Ertz, with a Michael Pittman Jr., and let's not forget about Paris Campbell, who has been a stud out of Ohio State. You know this, Jay. Come he on, guys. Been bit, he's been bit by the injury bug a little bit, but if you get those guys together with a young and upcoming defense, this team is going to make noise not only in the AFC South, because that division is easy to win, but in the AFC as a whole. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, looking forward to the Colts' outlook on this, you know, I do believe it's going to come down to three teams in the AFC for the AFC Championship game. It's going to come down to the Bills, the Colts, if Carson Wentz can regain his 2017 form, and the Chiefs are always going to be there, right? It could be Bills versus Colts. It could be Chiefs versus Bills. It could be Chiefs, Colts. I don't have, I don't have that all figured out. Uh, those three teams, uh, those three teams, uh, those three teams, uh, those three teams are, are, are the leader for the AFC Championship. Now, in regards to Carson Wentz, I think the physical stuff can be fixed. I think putting him in the proper schemes, you know, or the proper, you know, play or working on his mechanics, something that Frank Reich is really, you know, familiar with just because of their days back in Philadelphia uh, that they shared with between Wentz and, uh, and Reich. But I think the thing that concerns reports, you know, those reports, you know, those reports, you know, those reports, you know, those reports came out and obviously we could either believe them or we, can't, we don't want to believe them, whatever your, um, your thought process on that is. But it did make it seem that Carson Wentz had some serious leadership issues in, in Philadelphia, some serious, you know, um, being kind of a malcontent in the locker room. Um, it seems like he isn't really the most mentally sound person. And for your quarterback, you want to be as mentally tough as possible. And, and you know, this same scenario, and I'm not trying to compare Carson Wentz uh, to Tom Brady, but this scenario did happen in New England where a quarterback was bought in, brought in to essentially take over the mantle for Tom Brady. And all it did was fortify Tom Brady's mental, you know, toughness and made him work harder. And it seems that Carson Wentz didn't rise up to that occasion when Hurts was bought in. He didn't take it to the next step, uh, you know, mentally. He kind of almost wilted under it. So that's the one thing I am concerned about with Carson Wentz. Yeah, I can buy that. I read the article. I believe it was um, Jeff McLean for the Philadelphia Inquirer. A great article if you can go on Google and find it. 
Uh, but I think, you know, the truth is always going to be somewhere in the middle. Like, you're going to have mm-hmm. a Malcontent player that's going to throw the quarterback under the bus like Alshon Jeffrey if he's not getting the right passes. And everyone knows that Alshon was always the source for any Josina Anderson article about the Philadelphia Eagles. But, you know, I think the truth is always somewhere in the middle. I mean, you can go back and watch his press conferences. He never really took ownership for any mistakes. It was always like we as a whole, as we as the offense were struggling. It's like, no. Zach Ertz ran the right route. You just underthrew him or you led him too far or you just weren't on the money with anything. So he needs to take stand up and take ownership. I honestly think him and him and Peterson just didn't have a great relationship from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm, it's the Frank Reich bias coming in, but I think Frank Reich may and, and, and John D. Filippo, who was also the passing game coordinator at the time, he had a great relationship with those two guys and a little bit less with with Doug Peterson. So maybe those two guys were a bit of a buffer between the quarterback and the head coach. That might have been a, an issue. And you know, let's not forget the fact. And this is going to play to the mental toughness thing as well too. But there was a statue of Doug Peterson and, uh-huh. and Nick Foles uh-huh. on the outside of that stadium that he had to go to every day for work. And everybody in town was like, you know, we won this because of because of Nick Foles. And you know what? Yes, they did win the Super Bowl because of Nick Foles. But they were the number one seed going into the playoffs because of the, the type of play that Carson Wentz had going up into that game uh, up until he got hurt against the, the Los Angeles Rams game out in L.A. So... You know, walking past that statue every day and hearing talk radio every day saying maybe we should just extend Foles and let Carson Wentz walk, that's going to eat at you a little bit too. So I think this change of scenery is going to be key to to anything with uh, Carson Wentz moving forward. And and I always say, you know, I'm a big proponent of having your quarterback – being able to go on the field and actually play. One of the main reasons why I, I despise Jimmy Garoppolo is because he's not available for half the time. You know, the guy, I've always said this, availability is a skill set in the NFL, and I do have some serious questions about Carson Wentz, right? I mean, we don't have to go through all his injury history, but is he going to be able to get through a full season with the Indianapolis Colts? And if he can, and he can perform well, then I do believe the Indianapolis Colts are going to go far and deep into the playoffs. Now, looking at the schedule next year, it is a little bit tougher than I expected because they have to play the AFC East and they have to play the NFC West, right? So you've got, besides your, uh, you know, inner uh, division games between the uh, the Texans, Jaguars, and Titans, you got to play the, the Patriots, um, the, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Cardinals, the 49ers that are going to be up and running next year, the Rams, um, on top of that, uh, the Seahawks, and the Raiders. Baltimore Ravens are in there as well. So this is a really, really packed schedule for these guys next year. And and I think they're going to come in somewhere in that 11-5, and 12-4 record, which is not different from what they had today. But I right. do believe in the playoffs is where Carson Wentz is going to shine and be able to make some of those plays and get them deep in the playoffs. I think so, too. I, I was just going to ask, like, what, if you had to guess what their winning record would be, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think... This is an 11-win team, 11 win team at worst just with the quarterback position. And, you know, not, that's not to take anything away from Phillip Rivers. You know, I love me some Bolo, but I, we can, I think we can all agree, if Burge was on here, I'd like to think he would agree as well too, that Carson Wentz is an upgrade over Phillip Rivers. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he is younger. He is a bit mobile. And I think they're going to put this guy in positions to succeed and, and protect him behind that offensive line. Well, but again, it's, it doesn't matter if the offensive line's great, awesome. But like, if you're not gonna, if you're gonna scramble and you can't protect yourself, and that's on you. Like, you need to learn to protect yourself given your injury history. 
Well, if it was, let's say, a, a healthy Carson Wentz, that's the key here, right? Because the one right. thing that we, we always know about Philip Rivers is he'll be on the field no matter what. I mean, he could have a torn ACL in a championship game, and he can still be out there playing. I, I do believe that it's all going to come down to the health of Carson Wentz because I, I think there's enough rapport there between Frank Wright and Carson Wentz to get him to play well on the field. It's just going to come down to those injuries, man. Mm-hmm. Now... now Oh yeah, oh, so let's ahead, take a, yeah. So let's take a look. I assume you're going to the Philadelphia Eagles side of this, right? <laughs> right. I was going to go like Eagles side, and then really like the NFC East as a whole, because you know a lot of teams in this division, you know, outside of Dallas, we all know Dak's going back there. It's just whether or not he's going to sign a contract to get tagged again. But like Washington was kicking the tires in the early stages as possibly being a buyer for Carson Wentz. You know, given that they are division rivals. Um, there are a lot of teams in this division that could use a quarterback. So, like, what do we think of the the NFC East as a whole? Well, uh, to quickly hit on the Philadelphia Eagles part of this before we go to the NFC East, I think, you know, expanding on that premise we talked about earlier about how the Eagles are kind of a joke franchise now, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to go into that starting role but there's a lot of rumblings that they're going to take a quarterback with a number six overall pick. And to me, for the life of me, I don't understand that. And I don't know why somebody isn't explaining this to me. What am I missing? Why do you have to go and take a quarterback with a number six overall pick when you have Jalen Hurts, a guy that you have as quarterback one right now, and you just shipped off Carson Wentz for? So, like, I don't know what the thought process there is. Maybe they're just, you know, Harry Roseman has that philosophy of, you know, we're, we're going to try to have the best quarterbacks as possible on the roster, which didn't work out and blew up in their face. But I don't understand why there's a lot of uh, buzz out there that, you know, Justin Fields or Trey Lance would go to Philadelphia. Right. And, you know, this also might be just GM speak as well, too. Like, they might be trying to drive the market for a mm. team to trade up and be like, hey, we need to get a quarterback. Like, if, let's say, let's say Zach Wilson falls. Like, he falls past the Jets. I, I don't think he's going to be taken that high, but some mocks have him going as the second quarterback off the board ahead of uh, Justin Fields. But let's say let's say Zach Wilson falls, for example. Like, they might be trying to drive the market for a team to come up and take them. I honestly don't think they're going to take a quarterback at six. There's been also reports today, I think it was Adam Schefter that put this out there, that they might try to bring in competition to compete for, for uh, the starting job with Jalen Hurts, which to me is is asinine like just drafting him last year is the reason why you're on this course right now like who are you going to bring in like Gardner Minshew to to, to <laughs> have a quarterback competition with with Jalen Hurts or, or Jeff Driscoll or like what other quarterbacks out there like you know Jameis Winston is more than likely going to re-sign with the Saints what other quarterback is out there that I'm I missing would, that could be competition? I would try to bring in Marcus Mariota, truthfully. I, mm. I know us Patriots fans want him, but I think that guy with how mobile he is, um, I think he aligns perfectly with the skill set that Jalen Hurts has. So it seems like a fairly easy plug-and-play into that system if Jalen Hurts got hurt. On top of that, he's a veteran. He could probably show Jalen Hurts a couple things and push him along in the quarterback competition. But to be real, let's be 100 here. Jalen Hurts is going to be quarterback one next year. There's right. absolutely no way somebody else is going to come in and take that job away from him. Now, we say that, but we also let off with Jeff Lurie and company being, <laughs> you know, we're trying to apply logic yeah. to a situation where the last four hours there hasn't been a whole lot of logic. <laughs> and, I mean, what what would it take to, to trade for Marcus Mariota? Because I think he's still under contract with the Raiders. Are they going to give up draft picks and, you know, eat up whatever is left of a salary cap? Uh, granted, Mariota isn't going to be that big of a cap hit, but well, you kind of have to pinch those pennies where you can. 
Well, this is the thing about Marcus Mariota that people don't understand. And you look at his contract deeper. Yes, it's a $10.5 million base hit. That's fine. But there's escalators built in where there's $600,000 per game you start with 60% of the snaps. $120,000 per game you win uh, capped at uh, capped at uh, 12 games. And I was doing the math for the Patriots. If he goes 7-9 and nine with the Patriots under that contract, that's still a $20 million quarterback right there. Do you really want to put that much money into a, a backup quarterback? You know, because six hundred thousand right. dollars times twelve is what seven million. Another hundred twenty thousand dollars per win. Doing the math to the seven nine, the Patriots were that's like nineteen point four or five or whatever that was. At that point, does it become more feasible for him to come in as a backup and just kind of sit there on the bench and really not have a chance of starting? Right. I don't um, know, man. I mean, hell, that's like cheap. That's on the cheap end of of starting quarterbacks, though. Like nineteen million, like. Yeah, I mean, listen, that that is cheap, that is cheap, but then, but it's not that ten million that we all kind of throw out there as a number. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's actually, and somebody was talking about this at that point. I wouldn't want Marcus Marietta for twenty million dollars. I would want a Jimmy G at twenty four, twenty five, because he is comfortable in that situation, regardless of his injury right. history. Right? Um, it, it's not as as good as the original ten million dollar number. Once you start diving deep into that contract, they're gonna Marietta. They're gonna Marietta. They're gonna Marietta. They're gonna Marietta. This is like I know. We're, we might hit the NFC East real quick, but like mm-hmm. my gut feeling is if anybody is going to be a buyer of Marcus Mariota, that isn't named the new England Patriots. I would honestly watch out for the Washington football mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. They have the cap space. They need a quarterback. They re-signed, uh, you know, Taylor Heineke or Heineke uh, to a two-year contract. Uh, you know, Kyle Allen may or may not be back, but I mean, Marcus Mariota would also fit in that type of offense as well, too, and be a little bit mobile. And I think he could possibly build around that. So, yeah, if the quarterback position is going to be crazy going forward. I think I think the Washington football team is one of those prime destinations that a really good or above average quarterback can go to and make some noise, right? Their defensive line is absolutely amazing. Last year, they were the number two overall ranked defense. On top of that, they got some key pieces at tight end, wide receiver, running back. So if you drop in a good quarterback, I think the Washington football team is somebody to keep an eye out on. Moving along to the rest of the NFC East, right? You've got the, the Dallas Cowboys. Looks like more than likely they're going to bring back Dak Prescott either on a franchise tag or some sort of long deal. I don't foresee them making any moves at quarterback. Daniel Jones is probably quarterback one in Giants land. They're going to give him one more uh, one more year. And then it looks like the Eagles are going to go with Jalen Hurts, right? And if I had to pick right now who's going to come out of that division... I think I'm gonna leave with the Washington football team again, even though I don't, I don't, even 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 though I don't know who their quarterback is. I just don't have much confidence in you know the Philadelphia Eagles as an organization. I'm not a big fan of Daniel Jones and the Giants, and then you know Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. They're gonna fuck it up somehow, right? Um, so I think the most stable organization right now in the NFC East is the Washington football team. And I never thought we would like ever be on this podcast, like almost three years in, and we say that like. Dan know, right? Snyder might be the most stable <laughs> owner in the NFC East. Like if if you had to rank, st- you know, owners by stability in this division, you would have to go Mara slash Tish, yep. yep. Daniel Snyder, second, yep, Jerry World, and then and then Jeffrey Lurie at this point, right? Like, well, how bad has Lurie fallen off with all these dumbass decisions, man? I mean, it's it's mind boggling, like him and and Howie Roseman. Like I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly don't know how Howie Roseman still has a job right now. Like, you signed this guy to this massive contract less than, you know, 12 months ago. And, mm-hmm. and now you trade him for essentially pennies on the dollar. Yeah. 
Yeah, kind of insane. Um, okay. Um, anything else you want to hit on? I mean, are we? Uh, um, real quick, if you can, I don't know what the sports book books look like for future awards right now, but um, you have to figure Carson Wentz is the leader in the clubhouse for comeback player of the year, right? So the comeback player of the year, how does that work? Is it just very subjective or do you have to be like I mean, injured or hurt me, or how does it work? Let me put it to you this way. So like obviously Alex Smith was on the – with decent odds for comeback player mm-hmm. of the year because he was hurt. But mm-hmm. then like Cam Newton was on there. And then like Miles Garrett was on there last year. And I guess like he he's trying to come back from assaulting somebody with a helmet. Like I guess ah. that is – you know, it's, it, it's really just any excuse to give a player an award who either sucked – the year before or was like legitimately hurt because for the longest time ben roethlisberger was the leader in the clubhouse you know preseason for comeback player of the year well if it's really that subjective then sure let's throw him into let's throw him into the mix right because he is going to be on a good team he has good talent around him with a good coaching staff they're probably going to be in the playoffs if he makes it throughout the whole year he's probably gonna have good numbers so why not let's throw him in there i mean he probably was gonna be a favorite at this point Yep. So what? What's your oh. what? What's your oh. what? What's your oh. what? What's your thoughts on that? Uh, Ron Rivera might go take a look at Cam Newton angle. Do you think there that has any legs or no? No, I no. don't think so. If it, if it had any legs, he would have been quarterback one last last year. Like yeah. when he, but like the biggest you know indictment in my opinion is they traded a fifth round draft pick to Carolina for his backup and Kyle Allen when they mm-hmm. could have just like played it and wait for cam newton to get released or just trade that fifth round draft pick for cam newton and he mm-hmm. never did it i i don't think so and yeah. if there's any chance of him going to washington i think the the fans in the dmv area would just burn down you know fedex <laughs> field because i mean what what would you sign him to like it couldn't be more than the veteran minimum and how short of a leash is he gonna have like, there was nothing that we saw last year outside of maybe the Seattle game and a loss that he showed glimmers of, of hope. And, like, I'll be the first one to admit it. I was on the podcast saying, hey, if he continues this play, even if it wasn't a loss against the Seahawks, you might want to consider extending him for a year. But, like, there's just nothing there in my eyes. They might as well take a swing with Marcus Mariota and the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, I, I think we might have unfortunately seen the last of Cam Newton as a as a starting quarterback in the NFL, unless for some reason Bill Belichick can't can't bring anybody in and Cam Newton is our quarterback next year. And if that's the case, then that's just an abject failure all the way around for the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. But but I, I think I think you're right. I think the time has set for Cam Newton to be a quarterback in the NFL. Maybe if his pride will allow it, he might go be a backup somewhere. Um, he, I think he'd be a great quarterback too for somebody. But I, I don't think his pride will allow him to go be a backup for somebody. Nope. No, he'll be a fashion, you know, fashion coordinator of yeah. some kind. Now, the one thing I do like about this trade is it's kind of quelled the quarterback market a little bit. Uh, I know a couple of weeks ago, man, like the quarterback market seemed hot when Stafford went to the the Rams for what they got. Um, on top of that, um, you know, Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson, it seems like a three or four first rounders would be something that would get him out of Houston. But, you know, a lot of what was happening with Carson Wentz was a direct influence off of that hot quarterback market. Unfortunately, the Colts did us all a favor, stood fast, and said absolutely no way in hell are we giving you a Stafford-esque package, two first, or whatever the hell they're asking for. So for a team like the Patriots, I think that does bode well for us because that does make it easier for us to somehow attain a quarterback 
back uh, without giving a an insane amount of draft capital uh, back to uh, the team that we're acquiring it from. Gotcha. Now before we this, you know 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 there's been reports a little bit from local reporters out in Vegas that Derek Carr may be available for the right price. Now we all know he's not going to be, you know worthy of a Stafford-esque trade. Mm-hmm. But we, I think we can all agree that he is worth more than a, a second and a, a third and a conditional second-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. Do you think a team like the Raiders could potentially get a first-round draft pick? And do you see him getting traded or any other quarterbacks getting moved at all prior to the NFL draft? I think he is available just because John Gruden has a wandering eye. <laughs> you know? Yep. You know he's when a bit you're, of a hoe. You he's know, a bit when, of a hoe. Exactly. He's a quarterback hoe. You know, whenever you're in a, whenever you're in a marriage, and uh, you know, obviously I'm not in one, so I don't know, but I've heard that the seven-year window is usually when the partner starts looking around, right? And it seems like for, for John Gruden... Looking over the snowbank! <laughs> looks like Ooh, for John, look at that mailman! <laughs> exactly, right? Look For John Gruden, it seems like it was seven months, right? <laughs> yep, he is yep. so ready to kind of find that next quarterback. And, and I think for the right price, I think a first and probably a fourth or third could mm-hmm. possibly get Derek Carr out of Oakland. Now, does somebody want to pay that? On top of that, what's his contract look like? I believe his current contract is a five-year, $125 million contract with the Raiders, including 12.5 in signing bonuses and 70.2 in guaranteed. Um, average annual salary of $25 million. So that's kind of in line with what the starting quarterback um, is paid in the NFL these days. So if somebody is desperate enough and if I'm the Washington football team, I would make that call and see if, if Derek Carr is available. Yep. I think so too. Because like I said, now, do you I think... think... Go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. Go, go for it. Because like I said, I think the Washington football team is uh, one good quarterback away from making a deep, deep NFC run, man. Same. Now, do you think another quarterback is going to get moved? Because I honestly think the quarterback market may have died down drastically and by that i mean we're not going to see any more trades i think we'll see a couple more trades because there's still teams that need um quarterbacks right teams that are not going to be in position in the uh in the draft to take a quarterback so i do believe the patriots of the world will be able to swing another deal or so but i'm not going to go out there and say it's going to be like those 18 moves that adam Schefter predicted which i don't understand how he comes up with that number that that's a lot of turnover uh, for the quarterback position maybe it's just a piece to drum up clicks and likes or whatever it is right um, but he's got to justify his salary somehow. <laughs> it's not just by typing <laughs> tweets on Twitter. Well, yes. if that's the case. I ought to get paid. <laughs> exactly right. Fuck. Uh, but no, I will. See, I do believe there's going to be more moves to happen. There's a lot of rumblings around the field Yates and the Boston media uh, about Marcus Mariota and the Patriots. And if that's going to happen, it's probably going to come through a trade, uh, probably through for a late round. I don't think they're going to just go ahead and flat out cut. Um, Marcus Mariota, but then again, John Gruden might be crazy enough to just cut him instead of getting something out of him. Mm-hmm. This is true. Your thoughts? Do you think there's going to be any more movement or no? Uh, honestly, I, if anyone's getting moved, it's Mariota. I don't like, mm-hmm. in my opinion, out of Mariota or Derek Carr, and we already know where I stand on Watson, I have a better chance of driving down to my local Valero gas station, buying every quick pick for the Mega Millions, and maybe winning money off of that than Deshaun Watson getting moved, I think it's it's going to be Mariota or Bust in any in, in terms of any quarterback movement. Um, yeah, I, I think we've all agreed that you know Houston's not going to move uh, Deshaun Watson. 
I think Seattle in no way in hell is going to move Russell Wilson. No, that's 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 clickbait. Or you know, I, I love Jason Lock and Fora, but like he was the first one to put that report out there, and that to me is just trying to drive a market or like an agent just going out there bitching about his guy getting hit. Like, no. On, on top of that, uh, there's no way in hell Aaron Rodgers is moving. That was just a three day story. Um, Jameis Winston is probably going to be re-signing with the Saints because they needed a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who else is out there? I mean, I feel like I, I feel like this was one of those things where everybody was hoping it would happen that there'd be a lot of movements, but it's not. It's going to come down to maybe three, four movements. Right. Yeah, I think it's going to be fairly quiet though. Mm. We'll see. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe I'll get another victory lap, but take it to the bank. Pete Prisco Jr., a.k.a. B. Brando Puma Silva is saying, get your tickets in. Carson Wentz, NFL Comeback Player of the Year. All right. All right. That makes sense. Uh, the last interesting little tidbit, uh, just because of this team and where they stand in the draft, looks like the, the Pittsburgh Steelers have made it abundantly clear they don't want Big Ben back at that 40 or $35 million capital, whatever that number was. So they yep. are probably going to restructure his deal. But... I want to ask you two questions. If they don't get to a restructuring um, and they have to cut him, who do they go after? And secondly, are they going to be players in the draft to move up and try to take a guy that can sit behind uh, Big Ben for a year so that he can be the ultimate successor once Big Ben retires? Um, so I'm going to answer the second question first. Yes, I do think they're going to be uh, a potential player in trading up. And I think a perfect dance partner might be the Philadelphia Eagles at six because mm-hmm. – Everybody has like the top quarterbacks going early in the first round. Uh, you know, if a Zach Wilson or you know a Justin Fields falls to like the five or six mark, I think it would behoove the Pittsburgh Steelers to move up and trade and get their quarterback. I mean, they're gonna have to restructure it. They, Big Ben came out and said he's willing to restructure his deal, and I think it was either yesterday or the day before the GM Kevin Colbert came out and said he can restructure. But like, we're still gonna look long and hard of his position on the football team. Like, he might not even be like the starter. Like, that is that is insane to me of kind of how fast like the mighty have fallen mm-hmm. uh, in you know the quarterbacks you know of the NFL up until this point. Uh, but no, I, they they have to make a move at quarterback. Their offense is so limited because Big Ben can't play under center. It's out of shotgun the whole time. Like the running game has been neutered all year long. They're going to have to get somebody young under center to open up that offense a bit more. And by a bit more, I mean a lot because it was very vanilla towards the end. It got covered up a lot by that defense. And when, you know, Bud Dupree went down, the wheels fell off the bus and we saw the Steelers for what they were. Yeah. Um, talking about some draft uh, draft stuff, I've been doing more draft prep as I pretend to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> I I have made my my top three wide receivers set in stone now. I think I'm going to go with Jamar Chase as being the number one wide receiver taken off the board. The guy didn't get much buzz uh, or isn't getting much buzz because he sat out last year. But looking at his tape from two years ago, the man is an absolute monster. LSU, he's six foot. He's not a little hobbit like Devontae Smith is, right? Uh, he's 208 pounds. So he is a big, big-ish receiver, and he's fast. Uh, after that, you've got the two kids out of Alabama, Jalen Waddle and Smith. And I would truthfully, I've always been on the whole Jalen Waddle thing, I would consider taking Jalen Waddle over Smith. In regards to quarterbacks, I've been doing some more um, uh, film watching. I made my case clear last uh, last time with the podcast that Justin Field is being overlooked. He's getting the Deshaun Watson treatment. But I'm also buying a little bit of stock of trade 
Trey Lance right now. Um, we haven't seen much of him just because this year they only played one game uh, because of the whole COVID thing. But out of all the quarterbacks, I think he's the most athletic. I mean, he is a big-bodied kid. He's like 6'4", 6'5", 230 pounds, and he can move. He can move like no other. He runs really, really fast. So uh, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it one more, one more time just to guys give you a quick update on where I stand with the quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, surefire number one. Mac Jones, surefire bum. The three in the middle is, is where you want to focus at, right? <laughs> <laughs> the three the three in the middle is where you want to focus at with Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson. I like Justin Fields as a number two quarterback. A number three quarterback, I am really close to putting Trey Lance there. And then number four, Zach Wilson, because I can't get over that off-the-field stuff. Um, you know, Zach Wilson does have some talent. I'll agree to that. But that off-the-field stuff is really, really bugging me. And that's something I always um, try to consider, especially if you're going to a strict organization like the Patriots or maybe the Steelers or one of those organizations that require a lot of you off the field. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at the draft order here. And, I mean, real quick, you got Jacksonville 1, Jets 2, mm-hmm. my Miami Dolphins at 3 via Houston, uh, Falcons 4, Cincinnati 5, Eagles 6, and then at 8, you have the Carolina Panthers. Now, just to get for the Steelers' sake, Pittsburgh's picking at 24. Like, Mm -hmm. you have really in the top eight maybe two teams that are potentially taking a quarterback that aren't named Jacksonville or the Jets. I think you're going to have to get ahead of Carolina. I think you're going to have to trade with the Philadelphia Eagles or hell. Even the Detroit Lions, Mm -hmm. like, they are in a rebuild. They just traded for... For, J- for Jared Goff, I think they're a prime candidate to, to be a, a trade-up uh, team. Um, you, have to get, you have to get ahead of the New England Patriots, and you have to get ahead of the Denver Broncos, who have also been kicking the tires on maybe taking a quarterback in the sense of maybe going in the second or third round or possibly bringing somebody in for a veteran talent. But, I mean, we all know New England needs a quarterback. Pittsburgh needs a quarterback, too. They're going to have to get a little bit dynamic in the draft to get their guy. Well, I think, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers – if they really like somebody, could move up and take them. And I know, you know, moving from the late 20s to the early, you know, 8, 9, 10 is not something you see all the time. But it has been done. If you remember correctly, the Kansas City Chiefs went from 27 to 10 to take Patrick Mahomes. They yeah, saw they their guy. That. Yep. And they the, saw and the Steelers did it with, uh, with what's his name, um, Devin Bush. Exactly, right? So there's just, there's certain teams out there that they see the guy, they know they need him, especially a quarterback, which is obviously the most important position on the field, and they go and get him. And I think the Steelers are going to be in play because they are you know getting to that point where they need a successor. They might move up and make that big splash from 27 or 10 to take their guy. It looks like yep. they're not shy of making those moves at all. Obviously, I think in New England land, I don't think Bill Belichick has the stones to do that. Um, you know, I don't want to get on the road tangent here but the guy is an absolute blithering idiot when it comes to drafting so <laughs> somewhere Burge is losing his mind right now but Man, you're on fire bona fide but done i thought I, I thought i was gonna die i'm like wait a minute there's no way he's gonna say mac jones is like a top 10 quarterback now when you followed up with you know bona fide bob i'm like all right that, that just kind of so made I'm my just, day i'm just calling it like i see it and, and there's no way in hell it can be done people have this idea in their minds that it can't be done yes it can if it you can. like somebody and you think they're your future and they're at the quarterback position you can move from 15 up to the top six seven to make that happen unfortunately i just don't think uh, bill belichick has the acumen and the balls to do that um so so we'll see what happens 
No. He's, I don't think he's ever traded up in his life. No. To be honest, like, I'm not even trying to be, like, uh, you know, a bit of a troll. I'm not saying, like, a full-on troll. But he like, did it once. Like, a little toy one. He did it once. A, a few years ago, he went up to take uh, Chandler Jones and uh, Dante Hightower. Oh, yes. And, and both of them oh, worked right out. There. Both of them worked out. He's got to get more aggressive. You know, he always had the luxury of having Tom Brady on the roster, so he erased all of his blithering idiot mistakes in the draft and free agency. But now he has to hit, and now he has to be as aggressive as possible. Yep. Love it. I don't think I can top blithering idiot. I have nothing <laughs> else to say. I think we should end on that. <laughs> hey, luckily, I didn't call him out of his name. I didn't, I didn't drop the old Bella Fraud or Bella shit, you know? Yeah, not yet, but it is early in the offseason. It is early in the offseason. <laughs> Every single day, I get more mad. <laughs> yep, it's great. It's great. You know, now now the Tom Brady playoff high has worn off for me because for like five, six weeks there, like the depression of the season ended with the Patriots sucking balls. But but the, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Tom Brady run really got my mind off of things and I wasn't like so hate-filled with the Patriots current situation. But now that that's wearing off, right? Now that that ecstasy and that heroin is wearing off, right? <laughs> I'm now starting hello, to feel smile, it. Friend. I'm starting to feel it and just uh, just seeing how bad a situation we are in. So, yeah. so still early. Uh, you know, please keep me in your thoughts and prayers, you know? <laughs> Yeah, thoughts and prayers. That's that's yeah. something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right. Do you want to get to anything else, or do you want to plug it up and call no, it? No, I, I think I think we're good. We went way off reservation for just a quarterback <laughs> podcast. Hey, here's another full-on episode for you. Hey, but 40, here we are. Forty-one minutes. You can't beat that. <laughs> you can't beat that. But um, this episode of the emergency podcast of the Pro Football Radio podcast and previous episodes of the pod can be found. On SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Leave a comment. Uh, social media-wise, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast. Twitter, at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima's at Jay Chima. Our comrade-in-arms, our senior contributor, senior analyst, uh, Eric Burge, Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge, is available on the Twitter machine, at Burge the Goalie. Uh, definitely give him a follow just to see what he has to say about Boston media as a whole. But uh, yeah, we'll be coming at you with more breaking emergency podcast episodes as they potentially come out in the off season. And before we go, let's uh, all jokes aside, Burge, we, we, we miss you. We hope you're doing well. Uh, we look forward to having you back on the podcast. You, as, as people know, you're battling the COVID. You got the Rona, you know what I'm saying? Um, but from all the reports coming out of Burge, it looks like he's doing well. Um, he's not. He doesn't have any uh, you know, uh, severe symptoms, so we hope you get better as soon as possible. Just have a shot of whiskey, Burge. You'll be all right. <laughs> have a shot of whiskey. We all know how much he loves whiskey. You know, let, you know, get get some 100, 101 proof whiskey. I'll clear it right out. But um, yeah, no, I can't. Nothing. I can't wait. Can't wait for him to come back and give us shit and go toe to toe with your blithering idiot comments. Of, uh, well, I I, I gotta get my I gotta get my shots in now because it can't be defended. You know yeah, what you saying? gotta get the shots in <laughs> now. I've been trying to feel him out the last couple of days, seeing how he's feeling, and he's not taking the bait. So I know he's really, really just kind of not feeling well. <laughs> yep, yep, it's fine, it's fine. You'll, you'll be going hard in the paint next week. I can't wait. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, that wraps up podcast eighty two. We will jump back on with any other emergency breaking news uh, if. Now we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Fire con deal!